Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Carol. Um, how are you today? I am pretty good. Yeah, we, we survived the weather. We survived the weather. Yes. We're so, healing. <laughs> yep. So at the t- time of this recording, we, well, the whole United States is all screwed up with yeah. the weather. I mean, they're experiencing some really cold stuff in Texas and, you know, we're in the north. So yeah. we are, we... We just got dumped on. We got dumped on, but not like New York. You hear New York got like four feet of snow. Holy In like sm- Buffalo or something. And so we well, didn't get quite uh, that much. Buffalo always gets a lot of stuff. Yeah, it Actually, does. I think this is their second major storm then for the winter. Could be. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I know they're just back, trying to dig out and spend six say back days or something. Thanksgiving that they were before November, they were dumped on. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I maybe we get some of that lake effect or that yeah. water effect snow. But um, we had a... What, probably a four-day weather event here right before Christmas? Yeah. And so we haven't been together for a couple of weeks now to Between, podcast. What was it the week before? Well, I think we had weather that time too. Didn't we have a nice yep. storm move through the week before? Kind of it oh, was like rain, ice, rain. rain. Yeah, yep. we had like three days yep. of rain. Yep, and so it's been kind of... And then we moved yep. in, had a three days, <laughs> and then we had like four days of snow. Yep. So it's been... And below, below yep. 50 below wind chills. And, and this week... It feels like spring. <laughs> it's mil- I mean, it was 33, 34 yesterday. Well, I read, I saw somebody said that it was actually 41, just oh. a little bit to the southwest of us. Oh. And I was like, it was above freezing yesterday when we did milking in the morning. So it was like 34. Yeah, it was dripping off like the that. house. So it's just kind of crazy. So, our, our, so our deck is, you know, it was dripping. And so now our deck is like a ice rink right now. I don't I like tried ice. yesterday to get it off, so get all the snow off. Bob said he about hit the ground out there. And I'm like... Don't, don't. No, no, no. You guys, you, you no. already fell once. <laughs> yeah. It's like That's between like, my torn tendon and my calf in September and then spraining my ankle at the beginning of December. It's like, and a cold in between there. Yeah, yeah we're, we're done. done now. We're done. You, you, you hit your quota. After after <laughs> we recorded the podcast about cold and flu and remedies, I had to start using all of them. <laughs> so hopefully um, the weather straightens out here and it sounds like it's going to be not too bad here. It's supposed to snow a little bit today, possibly. No, we definitely had a white Christmas. Had a white, yeah. I'm like going, I'm like, Carol, I hope you're enjoying this. <laughs> I love Christmas and I love it being white. Well, I like it so, white, but now it can melt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for our ground up here though. No. Do you dry out quickly out here? Well, not too bad. Um, but I don't know. I think it's good for the trees that grow here in you know, pine trees need this oh, okay. where it gets really cold like that. That's something they need. Okay, um, I wouldn't know that. Yeah, I'm not I, a I read tree something. I'm yeah, I person. read something about that somewhere that they said that if we don't have the cold come, the natural things that grow on the prairie and stuff like that, it affects them because. Oh yeah, they, that you know, I know. Yeah, you know, that plants, type of plants, perennials, and stuff. They need that dormancy period. Yeah, they like need your, that. Like your onion or your tulips, and I'm sure other. 
you know, other plants need that mm-hmm. dormancy. Yeah, whatever. Cold. Hi, where they go hibernate and yeah. that type that of thing. Is that called a starvation period? Could be. That's one thing. I think it is for like tulips. Tulips need so many weeks of cold to be able to push. I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot a lot of trees probably too, new growth, need that cold period to be able to push out their new growth for the next spring. Huh. Even though me as a human really doesn't enjoy, enjoy don't, don't need that. No. Like, you know, one thing I found interesting, I watched something on like PBS and they were talking about how when the United States was settled and how the northern states are the ones that first got settled and it took a while to, to settle the southern states because really? people preferred to be cold versus scorching hot. And until air conditioning was developed, the majority of the population lived in the north. Oh. They lived in the New England states, the states like we are in. Ohio. Yeah, those those the states were, populate, were heavily populated and the southern states were not for the immigrants that were coming anyway yeah. type thing. And until air well, conditioning was you know, was And introduced, the majority of the people that were immigrating to the United States were from... Europe, where it's or cold. Russia, I don't know. Yeah, that I, area. I honestly don't. We're we're very um, Scandinavian here. Yeah, yeah and German. We're German and Irish, or I'm German and Irish. Yeah, Rich is German and has a little bit of Dutch, and I'm so it, Scandinavian and so, Bohemian. Yeah, so all cold countries. But anyway, know. yeah. Anyway, we on. would like to thank you for tuning in today and listening to our babble at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our little you coffee and, talk. You and I are really good at that. Let's get started here. Uh, well, what's been going on in your kitchen? We haven't talked for a couple of weeks and Christmas has gone through here. So yep, yep. what what has been happening in your kitchen, Jamie? So I perfected my crack, a cracker. Yes, you did. So I want to thank Kelsey <laughs> for her. It was her cracker recipe that I finally got. Um, I did two batches for Christmas and... Bob's like going, yeah, this is it. And so hence, I'm going to try to make some more this week. Okay. Yeah, and that's using your sourdough? Using my sourdough starter. Oil, herbs, and salt. I don't remember. Did you put baking soda? Or oh, and baking soda. Baking soda. soda. Okay. So, yeah. And then you just bake them, you know, 350. I did 375. My oven only just runs a little cool. I think I did 375 in my oven and probably like 20, 25 minutes. You kind of watch it. And the, the trick was to roll it as thin as you possibly could. Because the first, ba- first batch I left thicker and those took longer to bake and weren't as crisp. Okay. So do you like roll it between two sheets of paper or something? I did. Or I did parchment. Between, between, okay. No, I did it on a parchment paper. Dusting very lightly with flour on top if it started sticking. I have um, Pamper Chef bar stone. It said to put a baking stone in the oven and like, well, I have the bar pan from Pampered Chef. And so I put that in the oven and heated it as I was rolling it out. Because you take the batch and you divided it in four and then you, so I baked it in two batch. I did two, two pans at a time, which worked out fine for me. And they cooled really crispy and you could uh, quickly, and then you could put them in a container. Okay. Yeah. Because you brought them over. Yeah, I brought some of them and then I brought some of them to the family and they were hit with my family. And then um, my daughter, who is finding out that she is gluten intolerant, had no issue with them either. So she could eat them and she didn't get the bloated, icky feeling that she would from regular bread products or gluten products. Okay, so we'll share Kelsey's recipe in the show notes. 
so that you can gather that from there because yeah. I'm sure you don't have the measurements. And if you're no, traveling like- in your car, you're not going to be writing Char- it down. Writing it down. So we'll put no, that I in the show tried. notes or put a link to it somewhere so that you guys can uh, get Kelsey and Jamie's recipe here for these sourdough crackers. And I will say that when you salt them, if you think you've put enough salt on, put some put extra more, on yes. there. It they real that salt really yeah. really makes a difference. Because they're made, yeah, there was like a tiny bit in the recipe, but it was not nearly enough. And actually, when I salted it, and then I took the rolling pin and rolled it over, and so I kind of mushed it into it. And so I don't know if that made a difference, but that's just the way I did it. All right, well, they were really good. Yeah, and they went really well with the feta cheese that we made from Cultures for Health with their fresh cheese Back culture. In November. We did that November and it was supposed to be set for what did it was 30 days and I think that was around the December eighth, 7th 8th, 8th right but in that there. was like a week after I sprained mm-hmm. my ankle really bad and so I wasn't carrying too much extra. Yeah so it just kind of sat in the refrigerator there and it's still I mean you've been using it you've been harvesting your yeah. feta cheese. <laughs> Thinking I'll probably take whatever left out and bring that out this weekend. Okay. Mix up, figure out what we're going to put in it. Because we decided that it needed, or that you could do like an herb dip, you know. Yeah. Yep, so I was would be really thinking about that. garlic. What was I think? Garlic, onion, some rosemary or... Yep. I was thinking even maybe some dill oh, yeah. would, might be good. You know, I'm thinking maybe we could do, do three, four different, oh, yeah. I you know, the, flavors or whatever. Yeah, and see. I suppose I could drain out or uh, drain off the brine and see how much I have left. Yeah, see how much is there. And I do have a little bit that you left here yet. Oh, it's okay. St- I just moved it in the refrigerator. So what you left here is also here. So we can uh, raid my my uh, seasoning and bring your seasonings and we'll put some together and see what we can come up with and yeah. maybe add that to our show notes too if we find something that was a really good combination. Yeah. And then we'll be, probably have to whip up some more. Yeah. So I've got, we've still got culture from, from that kit, kit. so okay. we can make some more feta cheese since it seems to be a hit with both our families. Both our families loved it. Um, we want to thank Cultures for Health for that letting kit. us, yeah, for getting that kit for us. And we are really appreciating it. Because I'm like looking enjoying at it. some delicious cheese. You know, this, you probably won't hear it, but right now they have a sale. It's right after Christmas and they have a sale on their starters. Yeah. So you should say, go there and sign up for their emails, their emails. And I'm, I oh, actually text have text messages, messages, messages too. And they do a really good job of letting you know when they're having sales. sales. And they, lots of times there's free shipping. <laughs> yep. If and, you order a certain amount. Yep. I had free shipping over the holidays. Um, yes. I got a few texts on that and it didn't matter how much you ordered. Because Black Friday, had a good sale after Black Friday. And I got the culture that I use to make my sauerkraut. I ordered two packages of that. Okay. Yeah. And I, you can also find them on Amazon. Oh, okay. And so I know I ordered something from them, but it was actually cheaper for me to order it on Amazon through them oh, okay. because I got the free shipping with Prime yeah. and I'd pay shipping with them, but it still came from them. Yeah. It's just, it's another, another avenue for you to, to use if they're not offering free shipping or whatever, you can go over to yep. Amazon and grab some and of their stuff. if you're a Prime stuff. member or whatever, or if you order enough. Yeah. If you order that enough. Still, I, I, is that a thing anymore on Amazon? I don't know. Cause I have Prime membership yeah. and I usually don't order anything that I've shipping on. So. Not unless I really need it. Yeah. So anyway. So that was, yeah. that. yeah, that was our, our feta cheese and it really did turn out wonderful. The crackers were great. Yeah. And I just. I think that's because because of my ankle injury and stuff, the kitchen is not, I cooked for us to survive, I think Mm -hmm. is about all I've done. Yep. Okay. Well, I I totally get that, you know, and I know you celebrated Christmas over at your 
daughters. And so you didn't probably do a whole lot in your kitchen besides making crackers for them. Crackers, that was probably... And you did sourdough donuts. Sourdough donuts, that was it. Otherwise, it was all cheese and crackers and nuts and fruit. Okay, yeah, because she was taking care of the... Yeah, the main the, meal, well, so to speak. Well, actually, we did hamburgers. Okay. So, actually, we used your beef to make hamburgers. That was our Christmas meal. They wanted hamburgers, and so that's what I was like, oh, okay. So, did you do sourdough buns then? Or No, no, I didn't okay. go that far. As you got to pick your list of things. It's like, okay, is this feasible? And I was actually, just wondering with, with your daughter's Well, and actually, she, yeah, because, and she didn't think. She just went ahead and made a hamburger. She ate a hamburger bun, and she goes, about an hour later, she's like going, oh. I go, what? She goes, I ate a hamburger bun and I can tell so it. it. That's a whole new line of thinking for her then. Yep. You know, she's about, a, she's about a month into this. And so it's still, it's like, you know, habits. Like I'm going to have a hamburger. I'd put it on a bun. Not mm-hmm. thinking that I need a different bun. She's getting good. I mean, she's married to a Hispanic guy. So eat a lot of Mexican food. And well, she's found a gluten-free tortilla that she can eat. And corn tortillas don't seem to bother her. She cooks from scratch a lot. Um, but she, um, starting to do more baking, more, you know, breads and stuff like that. She hasn't done a lot of breads, but like her tortilla shells, she's trying and. Yeah. That whole gluten thing is quite the thing. There's gluten and so much stuff too. I'm like going, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get around it. would be nice if she were just maybe sensitive to wheat in the way the wheat is, you know, if she maybe went with an ancient grain or something. Yeah. You know, that maybe she would be able to tolerate or an organic wheat where they don't. Because you do know that most of the wheat harvested in the United States is all sprayed to be killed. Yep. You know, and so you've got those chemicals on there so they can harvest it all at the same time, which makes sense. From a production. From a production standpoint. But for those who are sensitive to those chemicals, now that is now in your wheat. And I wonder sometimes if people have a sensitivity to that and not necessarily to gluten. That it's more yeah. of a sensitivity to the way we raise wheat today. That could be, you know, because then, um, but then like with my, she had no issues with my starch. She didn't have any issues with the donuts or the crackers. Okay. And so do you use an organic flour? No, I you don't. Do not. Okay. And you don't use an ancient grain type? No, no. Not, it's not. just regular old flour. I use bread from, flour. Bread flour from the store. Yep. Okay. All right. Because so, I use organic. I use all yeah. my flour in my house is organic. Yeah, I want to do that when once um, my supply is gone, which um, I have quite a bit because when they, you know, when all everything started going kind of crazy and they're talking supply chain and things issue, it's like um, somebody bought like 75 pounds of flour. (laughs) I hear you, girl. I hear you. (laughs) Because I even think back in the the milk room, we had conversations probably Mm -hmm. a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm still working on that 75 pounds. And once that gets down... Once yeah. I get it down to like 20 pounds, then I'll probably look at buying from Azure or something like that. Okay. Where yeah, because I know you, your husband is kind of not wanting to eat a lot of wheat yes, type products. And so that slows your yeah, whole thing he, down. Commercial, commer- yeah. Because even like I have sourdough bread uh, at home on the counter and he has not even been eating that. And yeah, so, so that slows down your yeah, your the, consumption of yeah. Of, um, now he wheat. likes it. He likes it fresh. If it's yeah. fresh in, in a, with, under a day old. He likes it better, but once it starts taking on more of that sour, he's not he's not real crazy about that. So then it kind of sits around, and then I'm like going, okay, this is a few days old. We're just going to dry it. <laughs> I chunk it up and make croutons out of it. Well, that works too. Yeah. You know, homemade croutons are really good. Yeah, and then if I get quite a bit of that, then I blend it and make breadcrumbs with it. 
now you got to start breading something, huh? Um, and as far as my kitchen goes, yeah. um, besides making the Christmas stuff, I really haven't done anything special, but we have a ham bone left over from bean soup. Okay. So yeah, that's the first thing that always comes to mind, but I have two non bean eaters in my house. Oh, so bean soup is not something I'm going to make. So I was on the internet searching a little bit, trying to figure out what else I can do, but it really looks like you just throw a ham bone in, you can make vegetable soup, whatever. I mean, oh, it, I you, you know, but I've only ever heard of making bean soup because apparently I live in a shelter. <laughs> well, that's what I, yeah, I think you of know, ham, ham yeah, and ham, bean. Yeah, ham and bean soup. But no, there was, you know, you could use it to, and just make a potato soup with ham in it or oh. whatever. There's a whole bunch of recipes out there. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do. So I took the ham bone, threw it in the freezer and figured I'd do it on one of these days when we have cold weather again. It's spring now, I guess. I, at least it appears to be between. Oh, no, no, yeah, that's yeah just, it'll, it'll get cold again. Yeah, I know it will, but January's coming. Yeah, but I know it seems it feels kind of like spring right now. Yeah, it's still below thirty, so it's like you can still eat drink eat soup, drink so, soup, eat your eat soup. soup. But potato soup, you gotta invite me out for potato soup. Okay, potato I, soup is not Bob's. Thing. I have a really good potato soup, not one that uses a ham bone, just a potato soup that I, it's like kind of a cream of potato type soup, and oh, oh it's so good. I make a big old crock pot full of it. See, Bob so. doesn't like potato soup, but I grew up with potato soup because it would feed, because I grew I come from a right. large family and you could feed a lot of kids. We grew, quarter, I don't know, I think it was a quarter of an acre of, of potatoes. Wow. Every year. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of potatoes. Yeah, that's a lot of potatoes. Yeah, yeah that's the one thing. Squash and potatoes are the only thing that my parents grew in, and they had a large garden. We ate fresh out of the garden and my mom didn't do much canning of anything. I mean, maybe she would do like a brine pickle, you know, like brine cucumber. She called them Virginia chunk pickles and they sat in a crock and you dump the brine off, put fresh brine. And it's like 14, 15 day process or whatever. Oh my goodness. For someone who doesn't can. I thought that was weird, but boy, those pickles were really good. Oh. I wouldn't eat them today. Be- well, if I eat them today, I would not put the food coloring in because they oh, yeah. you put food coloring in them to make them red and green because she did them for Christmas. But we did not... Um, can anything my grandma did, her mother did, lots of canning. But my mom was a freezer or fresh type person. She didn't can much of anything. And so potatoes, we always had potatoes and squash throughout the winter and maybe onions. Other than that, we ate fresh other things. She never canned tomatoes. She never canned oh, green okay. beans. Any That's of that stuff. So, that was all so stuff we bought from the store. So interesting that her mom did. Mm-hmm. And so she was probably like, no, I'm not doing that. And then here you are. Trying to relearn because I really didn't learn any of that. What I learned about canning, I learned in home economics classes in high school. That's where I learned how to can. My grandma never really canned when us kids were around. Not that she, I mean, she lived three miles out of town. We were, we were pretty close, but... When we were there, grandma was focused on us and she was not doing those things. Yeah. And so I didn't really learn anything like yeah. that from her, but uh, she had the best canned pickles and the best canned soup. And I mean, it was... Oh, I wish I could learn to make pickles. I can't make a can a pickle for my life. Of yeah, I, neither can I. I've tried different things with the pickles, you know, trying to use tannins and stuff. And like yeah. we had a vineyard out here using grape leaves grape, and yeah. stuff. And it does help, but I have never really yeah. figured out... How to how can them. Yes. Now, if I go and I go to Walmart and I buy the Mrs. Wages bread and butter pickles or whatever, yeah, I can get a good pickle that way. But I was... Yeah, there's chemicals in uh, that. Yeah, thing. I'd rather do it from scratch. And I just have not found the thing that works well for me. So this year, me. I have refrigerator pickles. They're pickles, but they're in the refrigerator and they say they will keep a year, the recipe that I used. And I've been pulling out from them 
you know, all year. And so are they dill pickles, bread and butter pickles, sweet pickles? What kind of a They're kind of a dill pickle. A dill pickle. Those that you remember when I, that time that I stayed up all night, I was, I couldn't sleep. So I got up and made pickles. Uh-huh. <laughs> those are those pickles yet. Oh, okay. I was thinking about freeze drying them, but we've never got that far. But then right. I thought about dry. And actually some of them I freeze, uh, dehydrated. How'd that turn out? They were they were the spicy ones. <laughs> okay. Ooh. <laughs> so they were really. And then I've read in freeze drying groups that you should rinse your pickles before you dehydrate them or freeze dry them. Ah. Because it takes some of the vinegar. Because they were really strong vinegary taste when yeah, I dried them. Yeah, I would guess that would just intensify yep. in so, in a pickle. But they were good. But you did just a few at a time. I would imagine. So see now, I saw on one of the freeze drying groups on Facebook somebody who did pickles. She did dill pickles. She had two jars, like 80 ounce jars of dill pickles and she dehydrated them and she got them into, uh, I would guess, maybe a pint. I think I made a solid Did you see that? And she's like, so now she can put that on her hamburgers and not have a soggy bun from the from the pickles on your burger. I was like, oh, that's almost genius. But they did talk a little bit about vinegar in In the the freeze dryer dryer. and how sometimes that affects the the pump. But it might be something we might want to play around with a little bit. Read the manual a little closer. Yeah, because that would have been for the harvest right. I think she had a harvest right. Yeah. But that might be kind of interesting to do. I was like, you know, pickle powder sounds kind of good to me. Pickle powder on popcorn. Oh, yeah. That would be a really good one. You know, you think about pickled potato chips. I love vinegar, you know, pickle and vinegar potato chips. Yeah. Oh, that might be really yeah. good. Oh, Chris, oh, you're, what's in your kitchen? <laughs> what's in your we kitchen? We were about? on a ham bone and we got, oh, yeah, we got <laughs> off on soup and everything. Anyway, but that's about the only thing that's, you know, unique that's happened in my kitchen. I did try a new recipe for Christmas cranberry cake or something like that. Oh, is and that what's over that's on the table? That's what's over there on the, on the island. That was pretty good. It's a little heavy, so you don't want to eat a lot of it. It is, boy, I tell you, talk about the sweet and the tart, and tart. together. Because those cranberries are in there straight and they're put in whole. And boy, you bite into one of those and it's super tart. But then you got the heavy butter sweet. cake because it took, it was like three eggs, a cup of butter, two cups of sugar. Oh my goodness. And flour. And that made a nine by 13 pan. I mean, it's, it's good. It, it's so you very didn't dense. smash the cranberries? No, I did not. I just dumped them in there. And as I stirred them, a couple of them broke and yeah. that type of thing. But I used fresh, unfrozen cranberries. It's it's a good cake. It, it It's good, but it's very rich and very heavy. And so you can't eat a whole lot of it. It goes really well with coffee. Um, but that'll be a keeper. But I would only make half the recipe next time. It's that a was big like pan another... for us to eat because Madison won't eat it. So it's Rich and I, and it's a lot to eat. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a lot. Of, that's why I don't bake a whole lot is because, okay, well, our son Ben, well, he'll eat it. Then still, if it turns out that he or Bob doesn't like it, then it's like, like oh, I yeah. don't need that. Around. Yeah, no kidding. So, but that, that I tried that. That was the one new recipe that I tried here. Um, and I tried that after Christmas, actually. I just made that probably a couple of days ago. So, but other than that, not a whole lot going on. So now let's hear a word from our sponsor. Family-owned PeteCoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. PeteCoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Miraco, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PeteCoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O Supply.com. PeteCoSupply. And now we're back. Today I thought we had discussed this a little while ago. You said... 
It is seed time. It's this garden is, planning time. Yep. Okay, so we're at the end of December. Yeah. And if you are a gardener, I am not. I, I dabble a little bit, but I really haven't seriously gardened for several years. So we're going to let you kind of take the lead on this one because you have a lot more experience. You've been, first of all, you've been gardening a heck of a lot longer than me. I think my first tomato plant I planted in my house in Glenwood, I was probably 24, 25. And now I'm like, yeah, it's been a few years. I really didn't garden a whole lot until about 2005. That's when I kind of started and I started in town because we still lived in town. I did garden when we first got out here on the farm. In um, We moved out here in 2007, 2008. We kind of lived in town and out here kind of together. We totally moved out here in 2008. And so then I had a, I had a garden out here for several years. We even had a hoop building at yeah, one time. Yeah, I remember your hoop building. Yep, we had a hoop building out here. So we had um, a garden there and that was, that was a... 30 by 70 foot building, all garden. I had it entirely as a garden in there. And it worked really well for certain things and not so well for other things, depending on the time of the year. And then uh, the plastic went bad. And so we couldn't use it as it was designed anyway. Um, And we had housed some animals in there for a little bit as the plastic was slowly Deteriorating. deteriorating. And then we decided we actually needed a building for our calves because our dairy was growing and we needed to have our calves indoors. They weren't doing so well outside in yep. just, you know, make, makeshift huts basically is what yep. we had in our winters. And so we hired a contractor and we put and we put tin on our building. So the hoop building, the structure is still here. It's just that it's now covered in tin to match our milking facility. And so I don't garden in there anymore. And I've had pots of tomatoes here and there and that type of thing. But for me... It's easier for me just to go to the farmer's market and purchase produce from there. That makes more sense to me. Or I go over to Jamie's and beg for food. You know, <laughs> that or you just like, go take care of my garden, take what you want. So that's that's where I, I'm i coming from. And I really, I only dabbled with seeds one year where I tried to raise my own tomatoes and yep. peppers and that type of thing. And that did not work well for me. I am not a it, there's seed a little, grower. There's a, a knack yes. and you do need some equipment to make that work. Right. And so... I, for a few years, I ordered from a company called Tomatoes Plus, I think it was. In fact, I still get the catalog. And then okay, I, ordered, I think I've... I got seedlings from them. And that was a really good deal. I you were able to get, you know, some of those heirloom varieties. varieties and that type of thing. It's just that you had to order like six of them or whatever at a time. So you had six plants of the same one. Oh, that was okay. the only downfall for it. If you're doing a smaller garden. Yeah, if you were doing a smaller garden. But I really like that company. I still get their seed catalog. Oh, I might have to steal that from you. Well, you have to take it out of Chastity's hands because, man, at the minute that seed catalog comes, she absolutely loves that seed catalog. And consider she's disabled. She functions at about two years of age. and But for some reason, she loves the tomato and pepper catalog. catalog. She absolutely loves that catalog. <laughs> that's just so, so funny. It's just it's odd. But um, that is a, that's a great company. I've always gotten, you know, really good product from them. I think you were going to concentrate a little bit on... I was going to come at it from somebody, from the point of somebody that's wanting to learn to garden. Okay. Yeah. So you've, stuff. you've got like 30 some years experience. Yes. And so we're going to and tap and st- into you. And to say that I still don't know, I still learn something from somebody every year, either be it on a Facebook group, on a YouTube channel or something. I'm always, I'm always watching it and willing to learn because gardening is like farming. It's never the same. Even think I'm going to plant the same things 
in different locations and it'll do just the same. No, 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 no. no. It's like, yeah, I had one garden bed of tomatoes that did awesome last year. And then I had one that just eked along and I'm like, what is going on? Same seeds, same plants. I started the seeds and it's like, so why is this bed not growing? And I could never. You still don't know. I have no idea why. And so it's like, okay, chalk it up to 2022. Well, maybe that's just not a good spot for tomatoes. Well, but they've, I've grown because I have six four by four boxes. Yeah. And so I rotate every year because I deal with a blight issue, which is a problem for tomatoes. So I'm on a three-year rotation. So it's been three years since tomatoes were there and they grew awesome three years ago. So why? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is I put different products in it. What I grew onions in it last year. So was that the reason? I don't know. Or didn't I put enough compost in there? You know, there's all those factors. You know, it's a guessing game. Unless you're going to have your soil tested yearly. It's like, um, yeah. And I've never had my soil tested. So I kind of just. You just kind of wing it sometimes, on that type yeah, of thing. I, you know, fly by the seat of my pants a lot in my life. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so let's start with, okay. So if I am new to gardening, what do, what's the most important thing I need to know? You need to think about where you're going to put your garden. And if you can think of it early enough, you kind of need to scope out sun. You need you need sun and water to grow anything. And so you want to get the spot that, if you can, that has the most sun in your yard. Of course, south spot would be awesome. You know, the, the, that has sun from east to west would be great, too. Um, ideal, I get a lot of sun in the morning time. Then I have a block of time in the afternoon where my neighbor's trees shades it a little bit and then I get more later towards evening and then late evening is shaded again by the neighbors on the other side's tree. So you kind of got to scope out where your best spot would be and then you got to come to the point if you're going to garden you're just going to have to figure out how to garden what you have with what you have. You know and if you don't have a big enough spot you know if you're you know confined in a space like I am or as I've aged I've downsized my garden you might have to do container gardening. Or, you know, if you're in an apartment building and you have a balcony that, you know, container gardening, you can get a lot of stuff off out of a container if you do it, you know, right. Or if you, you have to research and learn and always be willing to learn. It's like, okay, this didn't work. What do I need to change? You're always tweaking it, trying to figure out how can I get a better crop out of what I have? You know, that's what I'm doing, you know, cause I'm, I'm in town limited by my yard space and physical limitations as I'm moving towards 60. And so I'm doing more. I have raised beds now and I'm doing some more container gardening. So it's up off the ground. So I don't have to be on my knees as much as I used to. Oh, that makes sense. Because uh, being on the knees anymore, it's like my flower beds are still ground level. So it's like I still get down there, but it's like, mm. but anyway, so, so like light and water are your most important things. I think when you're looking at your spot, then how much space do you have? You know, what kind of size of garden and if you're a new gardener, go conservative. I was just going to say, so how do you figure out how big of a garden you need? Um, I would always say, if this is your first year gardening, go smaller than you think you want. Because if you go too big, too hard, you're going to burn out. Unless you have a partner that is willing to take half of the load from you. Okay. Because like um, my, my husband, he would till and he goes, it's all yours, honey. So weeding and everything, canning, picking, that was all my deal. And, and he's tried a few times over the years to get me to not garden as much. And because actually I said, can I put another bed here? And he's like going, do you have time for that? And I'm like, 
no, but <laughs> I still want another bed. So, you know, be realistic. Be realistic with your time, too, your time and energy. You know, if I was starting a garden at, you know, 58 that I am now, I would not be as ambitious as I was at my in my 30s when I moved to this house. I used to have a 20 by by 40 in my backyard, even in a small, you know, I think we have two lots there in our town, but I took almost all my whole backyard to make a garden. I was going to say, because I've been in your backyard. Yep. That would have taken up. Yep. It was from my, I have, we have a storage shed. It was from the storage shed to the property line was my garden and all the way up to, I have a propane tank back there too. So everything that was from that west of that, west and south of the, the propane tank and the storage shed was my garden. And then Bob finally, I got to talking about square foot garden. He goes, yep, we'll make it smaller. <laughs> and then I talked about, it's getting easier to test your soil. There's kits that you can mail order. I know Redmond Real Salt. I use a lot of that. And they have, I learned from Jill Winger, Prairie Homestead. She did a soil test with them. And so you can mail order from them and take your samples and then ship it and they analyze your soil for you. Thinking about maybe doing that this spring if timing works out. Because then you really know where you're at with your soil. What you need to amend it yeah. to make it grow better tomatoes yeah. or grow whether potatoes you're low or in, whatever. Because she was, she was low in nitrogen or whatever. Because there's certain plants that take a lot yep. of, isn't it tomatoes that take a lot of nitrogen? I, I don't know. But I know some of them. Suck. I know, like your onions and garlic, they're heavy feeders. Your your onion family, leeks and stuff, they're heavy heavy feeders. So they take a lot out. Now that I say that, that might have been why my un- tomatoes didn't do so well because they put them in an onion bed. And your onions maybe depleted some sore. of that the and year I, before, and you just didn't. Yeah, because I think more all I tomatoes. put in there last year was your compost, rabbit oh, compost. Yeah, because we got rabbit, goat, llama, and cow out here, and yeah. horse. Yeah, I think I put rabbit in there. Maybe. Yeah, I'll test. I should probably test. Probably, you probably should, whether yeah. you get time to do that or not. Yeah, we'll see what's going on. Oh, and then that's the, what type of garden do you want to do? Do you want to do in-ground where you're just tilling the soil and planting right in the ground? Or do you want to raise bed so that you don't have to get down on your hands and knees? You know, it depends on your stage of life. And then when you're looking at that, you want to look at what you're going to, if you're going to do raised bed, look at what you're building it with. Um, when we first did raised bed, in 2008 we did cedar and it was only probably a half inch cedar and so we got 15 years out of it but by about year 10 the with the freezing and thawing of the our soil it had popped it would pop corners part in there so every spring i had to repair a bed so that's the thing to think about so whereas now i've gone to steel and hopefully i won't ever have to replace my beds because that's a lot of work when you're in your late 50s because i have one bed left to replace that is just a lot of work. And so I don't want to have to do that anymore. You know, I don't want to have to do that when I'm in my 60s or my 70s. So if I redid them in wood, I'd be looking at redoing this in my 70s. And then my That's husband probably would probably not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. My husband would be like going, you're taking your garden out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can go no. to the farmer's market. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to keep my garden until I die. But then once you get, once you get a spot picked out, then you want to start sit down and plan. It's like, what, what do you want to grow? You got to find out grow your, what, what, what zone are you, what growing zone are you in? And in the United States, the USDA has this all mapped out for us. All you have to go, you can go to the farmer's almanac and punch into your zip code and they will tell you what growing zone you're in. We're in a a 4B and basically that tells you how cold you're going to get in this wintertime. What's the coldest it's going to get in the wintertime? Whereas we can get down to negative 30 and negative 50 wind chill. And so you need to plant plants that can survive that. 
if you're going with something that yes, is a perennial. perennial. Yep. And some things like asparagus are perennials. And so you need to have an asparagus that will survive that. I don't know if there is an asparagus that wouldn't. But then I, I was watching a YouTube video this week. Artichokes, you can grow them. but And they're perennial. Yes, and, I have heard that or read that. But they, I think it's zone seven. And so they would not survive. We'd have to grow them as an annual they up here. Be, that does make a difference. Sometimes your perennials somewhere are not up here. You know, there's a few things that grow up here like rhubarb, asparagus. I'm trying to think of anything else that come back. You were going to, you were testing. What did you test? You're, you've got fennel. Right? Fennel, you left yes. fennel behind. Yes. And it had started re-sprouting. You know, it got cold, killed it, and it was growing back. And then I, I had been out checking my propane tank, and I noticed the bunnies had chewed it all off. <laughs> Those little stinkers. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had chewed off the top of my garlics, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's garlic. You Not that garlic isn't perennial, because you plant it. Yeah, you, you plant it. You, you have plant to plant it in it. the fall. Yeah, you just plant it. It just, it takes that many days you know, the, the maturity date, it takes a hundred and some odd days. So, but it survives the winter. That's true. Cause you plant it in the fall and it yeah. sits in the ground. And dormant. actually there's some, some kales that I have done that planted a fall kale crop, mulched it heavily. It wasn't in my raised bed. It was on in ground. And then I mulched it heavily and covered it in the spring. I just pulled the mulch back and there it was. And so I had kale right away, but it did bolt really quick. Once it got warm enough, it was done. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a few things out there that that will survive, yeah. you know, yeah, if you take the, the precautions. Ground. I remember I planted, I made the mistake of planting, was it mint in my garden? And it took over. Oh, my gosh, I had mint coming. <laughs> I was like, it just kept coming and coming and coming. It was like and all over the place. I had so much you mint. You probably still have it out there. But then there are herbs that are perennials, chives, sage, mint. Um, lim- I don't know if lemon balm it is or if it just seeds itself. Um, but I don't ever notice it flowering here in my garden, but it comes back every year. I always think it's not, but it, there it comes. Oh, and tarragon. I planted tarragon thinking it was a annual. It comes back every year and it produces and it produces. See, I like those kind of plants. That's why I have rhubarb out here because it just, I don't have to do anything with it. We We have raspberries out here too, but they're behind a fence. And I forget that they're there until after the birds have eaten them. Oh, and so I don't, I don't, I don't see them on a regular basis. And so I kind of forget of, I have Out of them. sight, out of mind. I can be that way. But yeah, strawberries come back. Raspberries, not all raspberries. There are, there, there are some raspberries that are zoned for warmer climates than ours. Oh. So when you're here, you need to pay attention because even yeah. if you're at Walmart buying something, sometimes it's not zoned for here. Yeah. You have to read the tags. Yes. You have to read the tags. I've done or that. Or go to a local nursery that the people know. Right. Yep. You need to, you do need to pay attention to that it, knowing what zone you're in is, is really important. Because then, then the other thing the zone gets you is it gets you how many frost-free days you have. So it'll give you your, your last frost in the spring and your first frost in the fall and then do your math and figure out how many days you have that are frost free. So technically, I did the math. I've never did that. I somebody I watched a YouTube video yesterday and he said that and I'm like, oh, I've never done that. Let's we have a hundred technically 148 of frost free days. Now I would say that would be because that's going off. Um, they say our first average uh, last frost is May 4th or 5th. But I don't ever plant anything frost tender that early. Like my tomatoes don't go out until Memorial Weekend. 
end of May. Yep. I don't put anything out like tomatoes and peppers. I don't put those out until the end of May because I have done that, you know, mid-May and went away for Memorial Weekend and came home and we'd had a frost. Those things you, you learn, you learn as you grow, ask, or you find a local gardener that has a little experience under their belt. Yeah, because it is different everywhere. Well, and actually, yeah. and it can be different from out here, because I had a friend that was a master gardener. She lived three miles east of you here, and she says she ha- there's more peat soil out here, so your soil drains quicker, and because of that, frost affects your ground different, or your plants different. I would not have known that. I would have thought all of Kirkhoven, Swift County was all the same, but it's like not. It is not, yeah. There once again probably the importance of testing your soil, testing and your soil, what you have, yeah, what your soil type is, and that type of thing. I know we have sandy loam soil out here, um, and so it, our crops grow differently. Uh, you yeah. know, I'm thinking field farming crops. You know, our, our you know wheat and that type of thing. Those things grow a little bit differently. But I know the knowing those frost dates is really important, especially if you're growing something that's takes a long time, like watermelon for instance something like that where you or onions yeah, onions, you need to, onions are 100 days yeah minimum easy. and i know there's some watermelon that are you know a shorter you know like 90 days and that's something that you could plant here but you know you can always get a jump start on that too by starting your seeds or starting with a seedling or a plant which seems to be real popular i noticed that like walmart and stuff now they carry started plants for all kinds of things like zucchini and everything. I'm like, really? I mean, my mom always threw zucchini seeds in the in the ground, you know, and it, we just grew it that way or whatever. But you can grow, you can buy just about every plant started already. I was always in the impression you never start cucumbers and stuff in the house because they don't like to be transplanted. Right. That's what I thought too. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking if you're going to do that, especially if you live in a place that has a short growing season and you're going to start those inside, I would put them in a pot that you don't have to take them out of, you know, be it a peat pot or a I decomposable have, type. Yeah. I have, uh, I can make newspaper pots. I have a thing, a little wooden thing that I can make newspaper pots with. I would put it in something like that. So you wouldn't have to you can just plant it in the ground yep. as is and not worry about it. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. So that you're they're less, shock. I don't know if they'd get as much transplant shock or not. So your, your, your growing date length, how many days you have that are your growing, what is your growing season, you know, to learn what your growing season is, because then it looks at, do you want to have an 80 day tomato or do you want to go for, uh, a, you know, a 45, 50, 60 day tomato pepper? How long do peppers take longer? And, and then you got to look at how much do you want to grow? Okay. You know how much space you have, how much do you grow? Do you want to, do you want to grow and eat fresh like you did as a kid? Or do you want to grow so you can eat fresh and canned? If you're a newbie, be realistic. Seriously, if you get like six tomato plants and you grow them right, you will have tomatoes coming out of your ears and everywhere. Yeah, you may not like August anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, it seems like for us, the tomatoes are coming in August and it's the hottest time of the year for us. And And so if you're canning in a hot hot kitchen. Yep. So you think about that when you're... Or do you take a vacation (laughs) <laughs> do you, do you do? <laughs> I did. Well, I did this this year. We took a two weeks vacation, and so and that that's when you went in and picked for me. And there was no canning, and so I kind of purposely picked a later tomato because I knew that it would push it past our vacation. Oh, and then you if you're picking out your plants, what you want to grow, you want to look at how much space do you have. 
you were talking about growing watermelon. That takes a lot of space wise. So if you're in for, I do not grow watermelon. Part of it is because of our growing season's not long enough for the space that it takes and what you reap from that space. I don't think it's worth it because I grew like two or three uh, watermelon plants. It took up a huge amount of space and I got two watermelons. That was not worth my space and time, in my opinion. And then I grew pumpkins a couple years. And you want to talk about a space hog. <laughs> I probably planted one plant and I bet it took up, and this is when I st- was still in ground. I bet it took up a quarter of my garden and actually branched out in the grass. <laughs> but I probably did probably get 10 pumpkins off it. And that was at the time when the kids loved to carve them and it was great. But when they got past that stage, it's like, no, I'm not growing. <laughs> actually, my husband got tired of mowing around. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, because cucumbers can spread like that too. Yeah. But cucumbers keep producing. I mean, you yes, know, you as pick, long as you keep them picked. Yeah, you keep them picked. They keep coming back, yeah. you know, so you can keep harvesting where pumpkins are are like squash. Or um, cantaloupes. I yeah. grew cantaloupe a couple of years and... I'm like, oh, and I got a quite a few cantaloupes off it, but you have to watch them closely and not knowing the ripe signs, I would lose them. I would think, oh, no, it's not ready. It's not ready. And then I next time I go look and it's like falling off and it's covered in bugs. Yeah, I really think melons are. I think it takes a knack. Yeah, I think it takes a knack or you need to. There's a, a huge learning curve there, especially growing them in, in our environment where you have that shorter yeah. season. Because, I mean, I've picked up watermelon from the farmer's market from the local people who grow here in the western part of the state here and their watermelon is awesome actually there's a place in south dakota forestburg yeah they have a watermelon festival or whatever yes i've seen that it's just north of mitchell um i lived in mitchell for five years and awesome awesome watermelons you know i see everyone there's a place between here and where the uh, just south of marshall that they will will sit up and sell tomatoes and potatoes and whatever and I've chanced it and I was like, oh yeah, Forsberg melons, I'll take two. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think there's a whole learning curve and I don't know, you know, how much the soil factor comes yeah. in to play on that. But, um, you know, you you always do have the option of vertically gardening too. Yeah. You can make your vines go up, which, and, which I did do. with your... I do that with my peppers and my peas. Your cucumbers. And my beans. Were your cucumbers on a, yep, my, a trellis? My cucumbers are on a trellis too. Because they do, they will, some will, I have to keep them trimmed up because they will grow and get on the ground and my husband will come along and trim them for me. (laughs) Or my son will come Mm -hmm. along and trim them with Mm -hmm. the lawnmower. Anything on the ground is fair game. Oh, and then, you know, in the planning stage, you've got to plan out your space. I'm like, so I have a four by four, I have four by four boxes. I have drawings and I've spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out what I can um, companion plant. That's another aspect. There are so many, what plants you can plant by each other that right. will help each other grow or not hinder them. There's a book, it's called Tomatoes Tomatoes and Carrots, but it's about companion planting. Not a book that I, I don't know if I own that book or, I think I've owned it and given it away. Yeah, companion planting is something I did out here, you know, to help my garden produce better and... And do you get more out of your space? So like, so like one I know is like tomatoes, tomatoes and lettuce. You plant them at the same times, but the lettuce is done and picked by the time the tomatoes come up and take take over the space. And onions, onions, ones that you can plant around tomatoes. You know, I have to have that all written down. I don't have it in my mind. <laughs> There's charts that um, that are out there on the Internet that you can kind of look at and kind of get a feel that like, 
you know, there's ones that, that don't like yeah, each you other. You don't want to put them together at yeah. all. That's another aspect. And as if you're a newbie, don't try to have, it's like, I've got to have this all figured out. Sometimes if you're a newbie, you just need to put it in the ground and figure and, and start there and you'll learn as you go. Yeah. And make sure you plant something that you like to eat. Yes. Don't try something that if you're not, if you yeah. don't like tomatoes, certainly do not plant them. But if you're like into peppers and you want to make your own hot sauce and stuff like that, go for it. There's plenty of things out there that you can grow that you like. Don't grow things you didn't like. And then there's things that you got to think about too, is that when a plant should grow, you know, you have your cool season crops, your peas, your kale, kohlrabi, your cabbages, your brassica families, they're cool seasons. They like the spring and they like the fall. Whereas your peppers and tomatoes, they are hot seasons. They want it warm and hot to produce. So you got to think, so you like tomatoes and peppers, like it hot. And then radishes, radishes will do good. Okay. So tomatoes and peppers. Love it hot. Yep. Radishes and lettuces and kales like a cool. And so you got to look at, they will grow, grow, grow great when the spring ends. But once it starts getting warm, they're going to, they're going to go to bolt and go to seeds. And so then you, you won't grow them in the summertime, but then you can grow them in the fall. You can do a fall garden of the cool season crops again. And so that's a whole nother aspect that, that could be another podcast about spring and yeah, fall gardening. We'll probably and, break some of this down yeah, and get into a little bit because more nitty gritty. When I was making this outline, I'm like going, oh my gosh, I could talk for hours, which I probably have already, but not quite. Oh, let's talk about, we were talking about where to buy our seeds. Where have we bought our seeds? Yes, I was just going to say, maybe we should point in a direction of some of the seed companies that we have used in the past or have found interesting or know some friends who have used. Because like I said, I don't garden really out here. For me, you know, the seeds we buy are the ones that go on on the acreage out here. And yeah, you, you buy know, we're, quantity. Yeah, we're 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 growing for the cattle and yeah. um, not necessarily for our own family consumption. You know, I, I mentioned before I ordered from this tomato. I think it's called Tomatoes Plus. I think you can get seeds from there too. But I've always I always ordered their seedlings. Those always have worked well for me. I have ordered from Gurneys. And burpees, and now not necessarily would I order from them again, but I believe those were the companies my mom used. Oh, I could see back that. in the seventies. Yep. You know, yep. type gurneys was my mom and I mean, they've, they've been around forever, and they were actually from South Dakota, I think. Could be, but you can get a lot of those at your local Walmart, your yeah. you know your hardware store, whatever Menards, and you probably can get them cheaper there. But I do know that I've ordered bushes like blueberry bushes. I believe I had ordered maybe a gooseberry bush. Some of those things came from those that I've ordered in the past and we have growing out here on the farm because I'm really kind of a perennial person. I like to be able to put it in the ground and it just comes back and I harvest and then we forget about it and, <laughs> and it just comes back the next year. Um, but I do know a lot of my customers my milk customers who come here to the farm and what they grow. A lot of them are gardeners and bakers, heirloom seeds. And, is and, really... and their seed, their website is rareseeds.com. Okay. You would think it would be Baker's Creek, but it's not. I was going to say that is um, really um, one of the best ones that I've always heard about. Now, I've yeah. never ordered anything from yep, them. I have ordered from them a couple of years ago. I did. Um, they have a huge, I mean, their catalog is, I don't know, 300 pages or something. So they have a lot of varieties, a lot of heirlooms. If you're you're looking at that, we should talk probably about the type. There's different types of seeds. Yeah, I was just gonna say I was talking. Oh, let's with, finish the. Let's the, okay. Let's go over 
the seed companies. Okay. And then we'll talk a little bit about what the different terms are when it comes to types heirlooms and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And because people are very confused about yeah. that. So let's talk about the, okay. So where have you ordered seeds um, from? I have, I've done rareseeds.com, Baker's, Baker Baker's Creek. Creek. And then I did high mowing organic seeds. And then um, this year I'm planning to order from migardener.com. Um, he has a YouTube channel and his seeds are $2 a pack as a general rule, unless there's something special about them. They're, they're $2 a pack, which is a screaming deal because like, um, or Johnny seeds is another one. I know Johnny seeds are a little more expensive, but I have heard rave reviews on one of the garden channels, YouTube channels I watch. She loves Johnny seeds because the back, the information they give on the back of their seeds is outstanding. She says about when you should and how you should plant a plant. They give you a lot of information on the back of their seed. Well, other things I know about Johnny Seeds is that they're actually employee owned. Oh. You know, if you're looking for that type of thing. Quality. And, yep. The quality and you're looking for a company that. Everybody's got Yeah. Everybody's invested. invested in, you know, if you, if that's the kind of company you want to support. Yep. Did I read? I read that their, all their seeds are non-GMO. And so if you're looking for that type of a thing. Now, here's a little caveat to that. All commercial, you and I could not buy GMO seeds from a, from a seed company. If it's only commercially that can buy GMOs? I'm not sure on that. I mean, we, our stuff is all organic and, out yeah. here. And so that, that labeling there, I do know that there are certain gardening type, if you want to say backyard mm -hmm. gardener, that type of thing that yep. those, the, that there's not a lot of GMO, GMO of type seeds out there. But I do know that Johnny Seeds is also pushes organics, heirloom seeds, and that type of thing. And some, for some, some people that's very important. Especially um, if you're into seed saving. for Yeah, for most, you know, um, your average, your, your average gardener, most of your seeds are not a GMO seed. Well, anyway, yeah. I don't know, but you, you're looking at your GMO stuff is mostly for your commercial, commercial big growers mm, type yeah. thing. And then you've got, um, you got hybrids. Basically, and a hybrid is not necessarily bad. It's like we're all hybrids, you know. I'm German and Irish. We took two nationalities and put them together. And so that's what a hybrid is. You got this, this plant, this tomato plant had this characteristic and this one had this characteristic and they put them together and let them pollinate. And then you get the, this is the baby. That does not, that has nothing to do with being a GMO. They are not genetically yeah. modified no. whatsoever. No, they've just cross pollinated. If you want to produce that same tomato, you want that same baby tomato next year. You can't save the seeds from the baby tomatoes. You got to go back to mom and dad and have them that seed again. Those companies, they they grow those plants and pollinate those plants to get the baby plant that that everybody loves. And so that's your hybrids or they do it for disease resistance. So this to me, so I have late blight in my garden. A lot of times I try to grow heirlooms, but I struggle with it because of my blight issue. Try to buy seeds that are you know, blight resistant. And sometimes that's hard because you don't always get the best flavor from those type of seeds. And I am trying to do more heirlooms. So heirlooms and other types and heirlooms is all heirlooms means is that it's been around for centuries, <laughs> been around for a long time so that you can, you can plant this plant, raise it up. You can take one of the ripe tomatoes, save it and plant it again and end up with the same type of plant again and again been here for generations yep. that's what great grandma grew great 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 grandma grew yep. and, and so, it'll be the same every single time yep. because then they talk about open pollinated 
types. And, and, and I kind of look at open pollinated and heirloom are kind of the same thing, in my opinion. You know, they open pollinate and then they produce pretty much the same seed. Heirloom is it's been around for centuries. And if and if you're looking to save seeds for to be able to save your own seed and plant it the following year, you, you want to lean towards the the heirloom or the open open pollinated so that it's it's a true seed when you go to plant it next year. And seed saving is a whole nother podcast. If you do try to grow a plant from a hybrid, if you save those seeds from yep. that hybrid tomato and you plant it, you do not know what you're going to get. Yep. You'll probably get a tomato. You'll get a tomato. But you you don't know what characteristics it's yeah, going to Yeah, will it have more of my, you know, it's like when you, when, you know, mom and dad got together and they made me, um, and they got together and made my other five siblings, we're all different. We all look different. We kind of look the same, mm-hmm. but we all different. And so that's the same thing when you come back and you plant that hybrid. You can plant it. You can save the seeds and plant it. You just don't know what you're going to get. And if you like to, like, <laughs> roll the dice and see what you can go for it. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, if those are the seeds you have, go for it. That kind of tomato is better than no tomato, you know, if that's yeah. what you got. Especially in our economic supply chain issues that we're in right now. And so that's another thing, Um, because we were talking before we went on air that I have most of my seeds bought, you know, already last summer, they were talking about having seed issues again, this coming year. And so when I was at Menards, our big box stores, and they were clearancing out their seeds, I was looking at, okay, what do you have? Is it something that I grow? And would I want this variety? And and I did. I bought a lot of stuff this fall, this fall to grow for next year, not knowing if we were going to have supply issues. And so far, we haven't had. Um, I've been watching sites to order the seeds that I need to fill in. So far, there's there there's not any issues. There's some seeds that are sold out already, but there's as the majority there are seeds still available. But I would, you know, they're talking about. You know, gardening is picking back up since 2020. Gardening has picked up and they do sell a lot of things quickly. So if you're looking at buying seeds. Probably especially something that's a rare or. Yes, a rare or an heirloom. You want to buy it as soon as possible. You don't want to wait till March because it will be gone. Because that did last year. There was a, I ordered from High Moin and there was a couple varieties that I never, they finally canceled my orders because they could not get them from their suppliers. You know, because they can't grow everything. They have suppliers that ship into them, I'm sure. And they couldn't get their seeds of certain varieties. And so it's like I had to go to be a plan B. And so hence why I was buying early. And so I, within the next couple of weeks, I will finalize, go through my seeds. It's like, okay, I need, I think I need tomato seeds or whatever. And so I will look at that and I will have it ordered by the end of January. You start all your crops then from seed. I I I had the besides probably year. onion. Um, do you no, do onion? I bought. Do you buy I, the, the? I'm going to try this year. I'm going to try to start oh. my onion seeds. But normally, I bought plants from our local nursery. We have a wonderful garden center in Wilmer, and so I have bought my my plants from there. And or I've done onion sets. You know, you know, some gardeners turn their nose up at onion sets, but I'm like, if that's what you've got, that's what you've got. And and actually, if you want to grow, because if you're going to save onion seeds. Onion seeds is a, onions are a biannual plant. You don't get flowers until the second year. So if you want to save onion seeds, you have to grow onions this year, and then you have to save some of them as onion sets and then grow them next year. Then then you could save the seeds. Did not know that. If you're save, if you want to grow to save seeds, that's another space issue. You need to have only one, one type or you end up, or you're, you're going to be making your own hybrid. 
because if you have like tomatoes, if you want to save tomatoes, I can only have one type of tomatoes because I will end up with a hybrid. I don't have enough space to put between the two varieties because it's a huge space. You're talking, I don't remember how many yards is it, 50 yards or something so that you won't get it cross pollinating because okay. your bees and stuff are going to cross pollinate from the neighbors. You know, my neighbor's two houses down has a garden. They're going to come over and they're going to pollinate my my plants. And so you're going to get cross. Those little stinkers, huh? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we want those little stinkers. And because then, then there's another crop that I don't grow corn because I don't have space for corn. You have to have a big enough plot, wide enough and deep enough for them to self-pollinate or you have to go out there and pollinate yourself. Yeah. Sweet corn is. That's is a, a tough that one. Is a, that takes a lot of space. So we that's a lot one of, that, that I. As a kid. I go to the farmer's market and buy my sweet corn. We got some really good sweet corn producers around here. Yes, we do. We have lots. You have no problems finding sweet corn around us, fortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the next step. So once you you figured out where you're going to get your seed, what you're going to grow, then you're going to have to look at, are you going to start your own seeds or are you going to buy starts? So you're going to buy plants at your nursery or a big box store. Um, But be careful at big box stores. Um, I think that's where I got my blight because the first couple of years... I didn't have blight, but then it was as I got into gardening and I was buying, I mean, young family, money was tight, one income family. Then we started a business, money was really tight. And so I was buying at a big box store and I think that's where my blight came into my garden. Yeah, I suppose you always take that chance when you're buying a plant. You don't know how a plant was growing or what their conditions if they ran into. And then if you are buying from a big box store, check your plants out. Is are, are they dizzy? Are they wilting? Are they check them out before you bring them into your garden? You don't want you really don't want to be bringing something into your garden if you're yeah. going to do it. And, and if you're going to start your own seeds, that's another whole podcast again because it's not just stick it in dirt and hope for the best. Because like you said, you've tried. And it didn't work. There, There is a knack to growing your own seeds. You you need equipment and space. I was going to say, it, you know, to weigh the amount of equipment if you're on a yeah, budget, yep. you might want to start with your plants for like tomatoes and peppers, stuff like that. Maybe not so much for cucumbers or some of those other plants. You might want to just start with seed in the ground. Um, when it comes to tomatoes and peppers and those type of things, those plants are relatively cheap at the store. They really are. Yep, they are. Yeah, they're not really that expensive in it. And and, and um and as long as you're not looking for a special variety, it is much cheaper to buy them from even a local nursery or from a box store. But when it's when you wanted to get into special varieties is when you really look at or if you're doing quantities. If you've been gardening for years and you're one of those people that are you know growing fifty to a, or fifty to a hundred tomato plants, and mm-hmm. I'm just rolling my eyes at you going <laughs> why. <laughs> You know, unless you're selling them. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a lot of work. That's why. And then because you need you need you need a, you need to have heat to get them germinating, but then you need to cool it down so that they don't grow too fast. Yeah. And then there's a whole lighting thing. Lighting. And that's and getting ish, easier with lighting because of LED. And, you know, so there's equipment and stuff that you need. And yes, is it economically feasible? You know, if you look at this as a hobby, p- people spend all kind of money on a hobby. But if you're looking at this, this is going to save me money and feeding my family to come, then you've got to look at way, way out the pros and cons of starting because it's a time commitment too, because you are watering, once they're growing, you are watering, checking on them daily. Sometimes it's easier to have a nursery do that for you. It is. You you, you pay somebody else to do that work for you if you don't want to do it yourself. But there, there are, it's, it can be done. And, and once you have the equipment, you know, if you're looking at it, it's a long-term thing. 
then yes, it becomes, because the more years you do it, the more economical it comes in the long run. Exactly. But as a beginner, I say don't start. Learn how to garden first before you learn how to start seeds. That makes sense. I think that's good advice. Because my first year, well, no, I, I got advice from somebody that had been gardening for years. He told me how to start my seeds and it worked out great. And talk about being ambitious. I grew 170 tomato seedlings that first year. I was giving away tomato plants. <laughs> I can only imagine. Whereas I only, at that time, that's when I still had my big in-ground. I, I only needed about 30 tomato plants. So the math there, 170 minus 30, it's like, mm, it's like going, do you need tomato plants? I was giving away. It's like, here. Do you want? No. But you were successful with, yes. with raising them. What, the so. one he told me to do. And then I'm fortunate. Um, we live in a 100-year-old house and we have um, old-fashioned radiator, hot water radiators. And that is my seed starting spots is that you put them on there they are warm consistently and the seeds just oh, boom and I bet. and they sprout quick and then i promptly plunge them down into my 55 degree basement to, to slow them down yeah that makes your situation a little unique yes yeah. i have a unique house and so everybody would be the same thing you've got a, there's many things to look at and that's where you do that's another research that's another rabbit hole branching off on learning how to start seeds Years later, I've watched enough YouTubes going, oh, that's neat. I think I'll try that. But that's gardening. You're always learning. Oh, and then you got to look. If you're going to start your seeds, you got to look at when. That's the back of the seeds packet is where you get that information. It'll tell you how many how many weeks before your average frost date. That's where you need to know your frost date and what zone you're in. Um, and so that's awesome. Um, I do have an app that I use. It's called Seed Time. And it you plug in your crop. Now I have a I have a lifetime membership. They have different levels, and they only have lifetime membership available at certain promotion times. I did it way back two years ago when they were launching. They were trying to raise money to start this app. Uh, they had a form of it, but it was like you put in your crop, and then it would tell you when you should start it. They've advanced it much more now, and so I was part of that fundraiser, and so I bought a lifetime membership, and so I really love it. And I do have a referral code. For them that we will, I will get and that we can put on the, in the show notes. And then you talked about growing vertically if possible. And then another aspect of garden succession planting. Oh, yes. Which is what is one of the things I love about this app. I have upped my succession planting um, game with this app because you will plug in like radishes. It Radishes is a 40 day. Is it a 40 day plant? Anyway. It's one of the fastest ones yeah. that grows. And so it'll tell you when to plant it and it will tell you a projected harvest date. And so you can plug in okay so this radish is going to be done the middle of may and then you can plant your other one right then and so then you can plan out okay it's going to start getting hot here so i don't want to plant radishes here so you can plug in something else so it helps you to to figure out what okay my radishes are done what am i what can i plant there to keep my space using yeah and it also probably allows you to um not have so much garden to take care of too, yeah. where you can reuse that yeah. plot again Whereas for something I do, else. I do beets in, so I do, I think I did like two, I got two managed uh, a beet crops, succession plants done last year. And then I planted a fall one and I didn't get much out of them because somebody should have pulled them much earlier. And I didn't, I didn't realize how much frost would damage the tops that stick up out of the ground. Because it totally annihilated the greens because I was going to bring them out here for your bunnies. And then I went out and looked and like, oh, frost kills those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the tops, the top of the beets got cold and they got kind of mushy on the top. So I cut half my beets, you know, and I just, 
I got enough to make a pan and that was it. So it was kind of a waste, but yet it's like, okay. Well, it's, you still learn something, learned, though. It's like I learned something. I either need to cover them or I need to <laughs> be more diligent. <laughs> that is an issue I have. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember my mom and dad doing that succession pl- planting because we did sweet corn. And dad planted sweet corn every two weeks. He yep. planted so that we yep. would have sweet corn throughout the, you know, late summer. Yeah, into, into the, the fall. fall or whatever. And I mean, we ate a lot of sweet corn because mom didn't can or freeze any of that. And so we had supper was corn was corn for months. Yep. For, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's how he did. And I know mom did that with her lettuces too. Yep. You know, she ate a lot of lettuce out of her garden and she would have several different rows going, you know, at a yep. time. Cause this one was this, now we need to harvest from this one because this one has to recoup or whatever. Yep. Cause lettuce is one thing that it's, does come back it's coming. until it's, it gets too hot. And spinach is the same way, you know, cut, cut and come. And then there's the lettuces that you can treat as a cut and come back. Or um, you can let them go to head. Yeah, there's two types. Those two types. There's some that are just leaf lettuce, and then there's some that can you can eat it as leaf lettuce, or you can let them go. Oh, okay. To head. Yeah, mom always had leaf lettuce. That's yep. what she, I didn't like the leaf lettuce, so she, but she ate a lot of it. Well, and a lot of times, a lot of times, people that don't, when you don't like a leaf lettuce, is because it's getting too hot. Oh, I, I always thought it tasted bitter, no matter what. If you can, if you get it growing in the cool season. Okay. It's not as bitter. It's the heat that makes it bitter. That's that stuff. I've learned that. So. Yeah. I don't know. She always grew. I don't remember even what it yeah, was called. Yeah, my mom and dad too. Yep. And I remember and always bitter. had lettuce and she always made some kind of sour cream dressing or whatever, which my mom was mayonnaise. Mm, no. Yeah, that you guys that. wouldn't do mayonnaise. We, we wouldn't eat mayonnaise or sour cream. But anyway, um, <laughs> we're off on a little bit. But yeah, that's that getting the most out of your garden space is, you know, you can figure out that, that I can see where that app would be just awesome. For helping you like, oh, I need to put some more radishes in yeah. or I need to whatever. I need to use that for something else because now we're in the hot season and I need to grow something. Yep. Else. And so part of this app is that it has a journal. Last fall, I can go back and look what day I planted my garlic. And it lets you import photos too. I took photos of it. Those photos that we put on our Facebook page, they are in my garden journal. And so I can see where I planted them. I don't have to go, okay, did I plant some here and they didn't come up or what? So I'm like, Isn't that handy? Plus you can look back and and go, okay, I know what I grew and it was successful or not successful. I didn't use that to the fullest last year. So I want to be more diligent, try to be more diligent with that this year. Another thing is, so so they have um, in the app, they have what they call seeding. When it says seeding, it means starting to plant your seeds in the house if you're going to do that. Or they have direct seeding. And then they have transplant. And so they have a to-do list too. So once you enter your crop, it will, you pull up your to-do list by this week and it's telling you what you should do this week. Oh, you, wow. you should, um, cause they even have like cultivate. So if you're going to, you know, it'll tell you to go cultivate, which is irrelevant to mine because my raised beds are pretty much, you know, besides mixing in fresh compost, they're, they're ready to go, you know, yep. picking out a few dandelion leaves that, that are growing there. I know now. I always said, because I don't spray, so I have those dandelions free growing in my boxes in the spring because they were babies in the fall. Oh, and then they're coming out, they're hoping to release it or after January 1st uh, layout so that you can either, if you have a drone, you can take a picture with a drone or if you can, I'm hoping you can use Google Maps so that you can get the layout of your land and then you can import that somehow into seed time and then you can go okay, I have this box, this bed right here. And so like in this quadrant, I'm going to have my tomatoes. I'm going to have my beets. And I'm not sure how, the, but that's from one of the videos I watched of it. That's what it's going to be is that you can say, okay, here's my beets. 
you can take this crop and this crop is, you know, in your, in your calendar where you've planted your radishes and you're going to say this radish, radish number one is going to go in this spot on this layout plan is, is the impression that I'm getting. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can do that with my flower beds too, so that I can go, okay, I have my lemon balm here. I have my chives here so that I can know, because sometimes I'm not always good. It's like, okay, that's a yarrow plant. Which yarrow plant is that? I may have saved the tag from it and I may not have saved the tag from it. And you think you can remember yeah, and then no, you I, don't. Yeah. I know. I yeah. no, I know I won't remember now because I know I have a sage plant. The variety, I have no idea what the variety is. No, I think I may have bought that sage plant or lavender. I'm thinking, I know I planted lavender plants there, but I have no idea what the variety is. Oh, that would be nice to know so you can keep track of that and it's all in one place that sounds like it's a pretty awesome app you know maybe a little high tech for somebody who's maybe first starting out but still yeah. how organized could well and actually they offer they offer um a free account you can't you actually you can go there now you can get a free account and actually they, their free account used to be limited to like seven varieties of vegetables but now because of the economic climate that we're in right now they have opened that up and you can enter as many type of varieties if you want in the free account so the free account is limited to a yeah. point I yeah because like the free account's not going to have that layout plan it may have the journal and it may not but it may be you know just help you with you know it was like okay you're going to start you you want to start tomatoes it's going to tell you by your by your zone by your zip code it'll tell you you need to start your seed your tomato seed plants inside march whatever if you need to plant your radishes so it's a good starting point it's a very good start because i used the you know basically when i started using it 3 years maybe 4 years ago that's all like oh, that's all you could do is you could plug in tomatoes and it would tell you when you should plant them out when you should start your seeds and when you should plant them outside. And I used that like that for a year. Sounds like the program is a quite a useful tool, yep. even for a seasoned yes. gardener like yourself. Actually, from the from listening to the webinar that I listened to a couple of weeks ago, there are commercial gardeners, I would say a commercial farmer market type person that they they are using it to help them plan out when they need, because they want this as succession planting. They want to keep, and they want to get their crop in as early as and on, and on the right time. And so there is a few people in there. That's what they do. They use this to plan out. But now they're looking forward to that. that they're, they can tell what, what they're going to go here, there with the layout plan. For someone who's a visual person, you know, needs to see that plot, so to speak. I yeah. can see where that would be. Um, quite, because yeah, because I, I do that on paper the last couple of years and I've done okay. But I need, I'm, I'm hoping this helps me be to refine that a little, you know, oh, even after like all. you've found a really good gardening app there. That is just about, you know, this is a basic list. You know, these are things to start with. Um, do your research there. There, you know, I know only a small part and I've only, I've learned everything. I'm a self-taught gardener. I grew, I helped, we had a huge garden when I was a kid. I hated it. And so now that I actually garden is totally amazing to me. I, I've learned everything as I go and I've learned it from reading books. And then once there is, you know, internet, because when I started gardening, there was no internet. There was books, books from the library. Um, but now you have YouTube, you have fellow gardeners, and then you have Facebook. Whereas, you know, I like that, you know, Facebook where you can get, you know, somebody's opinion. And that's what it is. It's an opinion. opinion yep. And you still need to do what you want to do. You right. know, okay, you can say, okay, this is what this person does here. But that's not like set in stone and that you have to do it that way. Take their advice and 
they have a little knowledge. And so you try it. And if it works for you, fine. If not, you move on. And, and that's how I used to plant. I've gotten a little more picky as I've gotten older is that if you planted it and it was grow, yay. And if it didn't, darn, let's try again. <laughs> oh, and I didn't even think about it. Animal pressures on your garden too. That wasn't even another, that's another thing that you got to think about too. If you're going to garden, where are you? You've talked about that, your animal issue out here. It's because of your animal because issue. Because of our animals. We've got poultry out here. Um, chickens love deer. a garden. Deer. I really don't know if I've ever had deer problems, but rabbits. Yep, rabbits are my big issue. Rabbits are huge. Um, not that we have domestic rabbits, but we also have ra- wild rabbits yeah. out here. My chickens, um, it's it's hard to fence chickens out of a garden. Yep, you have to have um, almost as tall enough fence to yeah. keep deer and chickens out. Yep. And then, of course, we have goats out here. Oh, and, they would eat anything. And goats, I don't care whatever that prize is that you want, the prize tomato plant or if it's a pepper plant or whatever, that's the first thing they will eat if they get out. They will ignore everything else and go straight for whatever is most precious to you. I don't care if it's a a rose plant or what. Um, And so I don't have a lot of stuff out here. Just that's one of my other reasons. And then we do once in a while if, if we need to, our cattle actually graze around our house yeah you know if you're um, short on grass cows will eat that too our everything is certified organic out here including my yard and so if we need if you need feed, to graze if we it need, gonna... if we need to graze it we graze it yep. and they will also eat my garden <laughs> yeah yeah where's and your apple trees got a fence around yep, it our, yep we fence off our apple trees to make sure that the animals do not get to them whether they're domestic ones or they're wild yep. ones but yeah that's a that is a huge thing is in raccoons Love oh, a garden. Yeah. Yeah, Squirrels corn. do. Yeah. What did you, you had something eating your little, what was it, seed? What did you put in the ground? Was that, um, what was it? Because you said, I had to plant it again. Was it beet seed? Something Something was eating your seeds. And we thought maybe it was squirrel or chipmunk or something. And you said you planted it and the next day it was all dug up. <laughs> yeah. That's I, don't happened remember, a, I don't remember what it was. It has, that's happened a couple of times. It's like the, the rabbits eating garlic tops. I'm like, I would not have thought, or rabbits eat my raspberry bush off. I didn't have very many raspberries because the rabbits mowed them down the yeah. ground. And we've lost we've lost uh, apple trees out here due to the rabbits. So we, yeah. our trees are actually wrapped now so oh, that the that's rabbits can't. another consideration. What kind of animal pressures are you going to have in your space? Because they find that stuff. They like the good stuff too. Yep. Okay. So I think we've probably covered enough. Enough for today. Um, for today. We will probably revisit the gardening thing because that is a big thing for you and for most homesteaders that is a thing yeah. you 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 garden and um because you probably can everybody does but um gardens and like you said gardens are coming back people are are realizing that our supply issues um yeah. with when covid hit it made a huge difference and it's still affecting us today yeah i had somebody here the other day who said their cousin's furnace went out in their house they can't get a new one there's nothing out there to replace the furnace. And so oh. they're heating with electric heaters right now. You know, if yeah. that can happen there. I wasn't to the stores right before this big storm we had just last week, but I had seen pictures of stores that they were just cleaned out because it was before Christmas and there was a big storm coming in. And so like people, I don't know if they just panic bought or what. Well, and then, you know, then when you have the weather issue, then it's, they can't even bring anything in. You yeah. know, I mean, that's um, probably the other issue is that you, they couldn't receive stuff, yeah. so they couldn't stock. Yeah, they can't stock it either because of the weather. No. But off on another, yeah, tan- another tangent, another tangent here. But I think that we'll talk about seeds and 
yeah, we're planting I'm, things as we go. Because I will probably start late January, February planting my seeds. Onions and parsley, you need to start early. That's good to know. That was my list. I know it's on your list. That's probably covered everything. We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time. Put some kefir on it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappas, are two gals homesteading. To learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com slash twogalshomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Trends X. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Trends X, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.